Welcome to Odds and Ends. I'm your host, Mike Tice, and we've got a great weekend of racing with Kentucky Derby points galore. I am at the fairgrounds where the Risen Star has been split to Division One and Division Two. 50 points to the winner of that race and the pot of $400,000. I have great guests. I have Hall of Fame trainer Steve Ashmussen, the trainer of the great Rachel Alexandra Curlin and many others, trainer Michael Stidham, trainer Blaine Wright, the trainer of the favorite of the Division Two of the Risen Star, Anu Deor. I also have on leading money-winning jockey at the fairgrounds, Florent Giroux. And boy, what a show we've got for you. We'll be back in a minute, starting with Hall of Fame trainer, Steve Asmussen. More of Odds and Ends when we come right back. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather is clear, can do, can do, this guy says... Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tyson. My next guest is uh, really excited to speak to this Hall of Fame trainer, Steve Asmussen, trainer of Curlin, Rachel Alexandria, Gunrunner, Untappable, Tapazar, well, that's a damn pretty good string of horses. How's it going, man? We've been uh, very blessed with extremely talented horses, and uh, hopefully that continues. Yeah, and then we've got two divisions uh, of the Risen Star tomorrow, Saturday. Of course, we're taping this show here at, at the fairgrounds. Uh, Breeders' Cup, Cla- i got to brag on you a little bit, okay? I'm excited to have you on the show. Breeders' Cup Classic winner curling, what a great horse. Great, turned out to be a great sire, too. Uh, 2017 Gunrunner, what a horse that was. Uh, which one of those horses uh, did you like training the best? And tell me, tell the fans a little bit about them. The, the amazing thing uh, about those horses and what makes them so special is how they could raise their game, how they accepted the competition, they're aware of what's going to happen, and uh, just the intelligence of them. Uh, I think that uh, whenever anybody... Uh, compares or measures great horses against each other. What makes them great is how they step up to competition on the racetrack, and uh, that's the beauty of racing. It is decided. It's not an opinion. you got to go out there and prove it. What you did the day before is not going to give you a head start, and you got to do it over again. And uh, It's the amazing thing about racing. And you, Curlin, uh, more than anything, uh, I, I think that he just had a presence and a strength about himself that he did it all on his own. Uh, he needed uh, no encouragement, no guidance. He just was that special, that different. And you had mentioned how successful he's been as a sire. And the strength, just the mental strength that goes along with the ability is what separates him. Well, you know, it's funny. It's kind of relative. I spent 35 years in the National Football League, and the last 21 as a coach. And what I always look for, you said something that, that jogged me here, is you said intelligence. You know, I always did better as a coach when my players were smart. I did better with smart players. Is it the same way with horses? We're fortunate. The position we're in, the opportunities we get, we get talent all the time. And there is no substitute for talent. That's right. And then you get this rare, amazing opportunity with a Curlin or a Rachel Alexander or a gun runner where they put it together. And you see that they're the target in a race Mm -hmm. and everybody is working around them. And they just overcome it. You know, yeah. gun runners, uh, Pegasus, you can't win from the 11 hole. He just eliminates the variables that you worry about right. 
just and is aware of putting himself in a position. It had great pace, was able to maintain it over a distance of ground like no other of his generation. Mm-hmm. But he put himself in that position. They put rabbits in with him, throw, you know, throw yeah. shoes at him right. and whatnot. He just... He knows where he's at. He knows where the wire is. He knows the preparation. He was a unbelievably unique in the fact that he was playful, somewhat ornery, really? uh, between races, off of a race, very cocky, proud of himself, aware of who he was. When you got race time, boy, he just cool, cool as the other side of the pillow, focused, just got him. You know, he just, it, it, that level of intelligence mixed with elite ability makes them the champions that they are. It reminds me of a player that I was blessed to coach, Randy Moss. You know, right. a lot of people, Hall of Famer, uh, 17 touchdowns he scored for me one season when I was a head coach of the Vikings. But the intelligence of him, uh, of the player, people didn't get that he was also a very, very smart player. Right. I mean, they, they yeah. just don't let him do what they want. They yeah. go in there trying to yeah. stop him. He, yeah. He's one step ahead of them. That's yeah. some horses. They're, yeah. they're trying to be in a position. That horse wants to be there. They do something to, you know, not allow that horse's comfort zone. But his intelligence, it, yeah. along with the ability, puts him in the position you need to be to win. Isn't that awesome? I mean, uh, it's, it, it's just, yeah. and it's such a blessing. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, it can't do it without it. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the Risen Star and a horse that I love in the first uh, division of that, I want to talk briefly, I know you're busy, about uh, being able to sustain the winds across the nation at, at different tracks, uh, I, I guess I'm lauding your staff. You must have a tremendous staff of people that work for you, that you trust to do the things the way that you want them done. Absolutely. You know, your background in coaching and football and that, that organization, mm-hmm. you just I, I can't be more proud right. of, of, our, of the staff or the team that I work with. Everybody on the same page, believing in each yeah. other, knowing, you know, the encouragement points and stuff. Uh, it start. It, I, I think the... The best attribute of all, all of the great and talented help we have is the respect mm-hmm. that they show and have for the opportunity we're given. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And just to keep it in perspective, do your best all the time. I think our motto is, you know, either everything matters or nothing matters. Yeah, that's you know, just, great. And uh, the history of racing shows you how much you need to respect this opportunity because, you know, Curlin, Rachel, there's standing in for them, enjoying, enjoying the rest of their life, right. and you're still trying to figure you're out still, how to win a race. Yeah. So you better keep your, keep at it. You and, know, you better keep at it. And you hope for that next one. Oh, you? Just, yeah. Knowing that it's very unlikely but very optimistic. You're not going to be in horse racing if you're not optimistic. Well, speaking of optimistic, let's segue over to uh, the first division of the Risen Star. Of course, fans out there, uh, they split the Risen Star. Uh, both winners are going to get the 50 points, uh, get the pot, uh, get the accolades, and there's a horse that I picked in the LeCompte on my show, uh, Silver State, that you have that's by Hardspun. Nice, really nice horse. I thought it was training into the horse. Got a little bit of trouble uh, coming out of the gate, and then uh, I didn't really get a clean trip. I didn't think uh, you trained this horse for Winchell Thoroughbreds and Willis Horton Racing. Tell the fans, uh, if you will, how this horse has come out of that race and how it's training into the race. That's really all you can ask for is how's the horse training into the race. Well, absolutely. He is a tremendous physical. You know, I'm anxious. You get your eyes on him. You know, tomorrow you're like, wow. He's yeah. a wow horse when you look at him. He has a very high level of ability, and I think that we've seen 
the level of ability in some of his races, but you're right, he hasn't put it together. He's a very big horse. He's kind of staggered away from the gates instead of broken. Mm -hmm. Most all of his right. races, and I think it has to do with his size. Yeah. And his size, he's just not completely come right. together yet. Mm -hmm. You know, where he's just a, a little bit, needs to be a little bit more nimble afoot to give himself a better position. All three of his starts, I feel that he has not been away as clean as we will eventually mm -hmm. be, but that's the stage we're at now. He did uh, dead heat in his first race and lost by uh, what? Uh, <laughs> in less than an inch in his I, second I race. I know what you so want to say. So we've really, <laughs> so we've really, we've really, uh, really concentrated on, on him leaving horses, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I think that that's made a difference. I thought Ricardo did a very good job with him in the Lecomte. Mm -hmm. Without winning the race, we could have gotten a little better trip, but the important thing with that horse was for him to get some separation yeah. instead of just going with him and just so we can get his mind right and go focus. That was his first two-turn race. Mm -hmm. I do think that he sh he went through the wire like a good horse. But uh, very unique this year is the Derby Series here, starting with the LeCompte at a mile and a 16th, mm -hmm. the Risen Star being at a mile and an 8th already. They up to a mile Louisiana Derby. Yeah. I was, we we're a little worried about how that's going to be, if yeah. there's going to be enough horses. And then they have enough that are thinking the same thing, that we have 23 entries. Right. A good spacing between our races, which is just the natural progression with all of us hoping right. to end up in the Derby. And the, I think the main thing with Silver State is he went through the wire well, and it looks like more distance will help him. He would do himself a big favor if he would get away from the gates yeah, clean. Yeah, and then unfortunately that division, the first division of the race, came up tough as hell. Absolutely. And then, well, you know, I bet you there's about six or seven or eight trainers in that first division. I wish they got that second it, division, you know. It, it, did, it did work out that way. Um, I, I'm pleased with our draw for it. I, yeah. I mean, you don't want to come in here. Uh, a mile and an eighth helps you a little better. You know, your mile and sixteenth perhaps, you're, you know, your horses of fairly equal ability. You can be eliminated with too wide of a draw here. I think with them splitting the race, mile and an eighth, good run to the first turn. We'll sort it out. And I think the the thing about three-year-olds this time of year, especially with the Derby preps, the last race you ran is rarely ever and should not be good enough to win the next race you're in. So we all need to be improving, moving forward, or you're going to eliminate yourself from it. And every year you find yourself in this position with horses with uh, good ability, but they got to take the next step. They've got to accept that level of competition and improve from it instead of just simply get weaker and Yeah, less. exactly. you got to be moving forward, correct? Absolutely. Forward. And they're going to have a lot of them. they got to find that on the inside of them. I mean, they've got the work. They've got mm -hmm. the miles. You, you get the experience. But if you, if, you're, if they don't have the mind for it, it, it makes them less instead of more. All right, I'm going to ask you one more thing and let you go. I know you're busy as all hell. Uh, it's got to mean a lot to you to have a horse like Finite in the Rachel Alexandria after training Rachel Alexandria, you know, won the Preakness in 2009, won the Haskell in 2009, Horse of the Year, and now you got a, a horse that's right there. I mean, I know you have British Idiom in there, but British Idiom hasn't run yet this year. I like I like Finite because of the fact that it has got a race into it this year. Uh, British Idiom's coming off a layoff. Tell the fans a little bit, if you will, about Finite and how uh, she's coming into the Rachel Alexander, I know you'd love to win that race. Too. Oh, very much so. It, kind of two separate things there. You know, Finite herself, uh, very, overachiever. You know, nice, good talent. Philly comes from a very good family. Remit, the full sister to Tapature and stuff like that. 
ran hard the first two races at Saratoga, second in both maiden races, had a big breakthrough win at Kentucky Downs, stretched her out, Munnings Philly, a little more on the sprint pedigree, mm -hmm. stretched her out to the rags to riches, ran a huge number mm -hmm. uh, in a very competitive field. In both of her two-turn races, I she has not exactly got an ideal trip, mm -hmm. you know, from the one hole in the golden rod, mm -hmm. uh, probably uh, a horse intent for the lead, kind of put her in a position. I, I thought she had a little wide trip, you know, here in the for mm -hmm. for what's ideal. The fairgrounds concerned with her drawn seven of seven. You know, she needs to break cleanly. I want her to have a little better position than mm -hmm. she had uh, in her previous race, um, knowing you're running against the Eclipse champion. Yeah. But both the Goldenrod as well as her last race, they had chances to beat her in the stretch. She was a big favorite, yeah. but I mean, they had their chances. And at the eighth pole, she had to earn it from there to the wire. So she's shown a willingness to win that is good. But you had, you know, when you, whenever you bring up Rachel Alexander, that is the most uniquest experience in horse racing that I've ever been a part of. We've run, as you've touched on, you know, great horses, but you've never run a horse like you've run Rachel. Everybody is on her side. When you walk out of the barn and you walk over there, it was such a feeling. It was such a whirlwind. Hal Wiggins did a wonderful job yep. with her, yep. won the yep. Kentucky Oaks by an amazing margin. Right. They At that point, that owner did, had no ch plans of running her uh, against the boys. Jess Jackson, the sportsman that he is, yeah. with Barbara Banks, stepped in, purchased this filly. What, talking 13 days later after I had walk her over there for that. And just the whirlwind of that. And then walking out of there at Pimlico for the Preakness and walking over Everybody is on uh, Rachel Alexander's uh, yeah. side. I, I mean, was, it was I just, was there. So. It, 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 it was an experience. You yeah. know, you're in racing. What haven't you seen? You hadn't seen that. Oh, it, was it, it was beyond I've unbelievable. I've got chills right exactly. now. Exactly. You know? And then the the Woodward in that race. Yeah. To this day, yeah. I, I cannot watch. I've watched that how many times. It brings to your mind to yeah. this day. And for her to raise to that level. And I, in my mind, the strongest memory of that was trying to do the interview in the winner's circle afterwards yeah. and watching her walk the length of the racetrack towards the test barn, yeah. as you know, at Saratoga. And it looked like an ant farm. The people, as they followed her, just the wave of it yeah. as she went down for them just to be it close It was to like her. following Tiger Woods around on the golf course. I imagine. It right? was just like... Yeah, to, it's just like the crowd. See. I mean, I've been out there a few times. And, and and for, right. Every, the whole crowd is following for Tiger Woods. For us in horse racing, we yeah. love it individually like we do to see that sort of admiration yeah. for something you feel the same way about yeah. it, it is a feeling that's just it, it's impossible yeah, to duplicate yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that is anytime Rachel comes up or you think of the race and yeah. how much this race means or something like what what a queen I mean yeah. just uh, she was just beyond words well, listen, I know you're busy as hell. You're busy. You got 11. I think you're entering 11 of 13 races yeah. tomorrow. We got Real, action. Yeah, we, got we got action. action. Yeah. Really, really yeah. looking forward to have a, you having yeah. a great day. Yeah, I want to give a little plug out to my man, uh, Mike Pagram, because Finite did win the Silver Bullet Day. The Silver, that's right. That's and, uh, right. Mike Pagram, right, my right. friend, owned Silver Bullet Day. But, yeah, but thanks for your time. Absolutely. I hope we can do this again and have a great weekend and keep it going forward. Sounds good. Right, thanks man. for having thanks, me on. Right. We'll be back in a minute with more of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. The 
Welcome back to Odds and Ends. Mike Tice here, and boy, I'm excited to have this Seattle guy sitting next to me. Long Acres background, Emerald Downs background. Dad Richard Wright started out as a jockey, was an excellent trainer back when I was with the Seattle Seahawks in the 80s. And that's trainer Blaine Wright. Blaine, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Yeah, it's a, a really exciting Exciting weekend for you. You have the favorite in the second division of the Risen Star, a race that they split. Uh, Churchill Downs is going to put 400000 out there twice. And the most important thing, I think, is the 50 points for the Derby. You win this race, and you're basically in the Derby. How's the horse training? And now let me say the name of the horse, and correct me if I say it wrong, Anu Dior. Yeah, that's how we pronounce it. I'm not even really sure if that's the right way to do it, but that's... That's how we say it. Tell us a little bit about the horse. How's his training? It looks like he's training really well. Yeah, right? he's, uh, you know, he never got turned out or anything after Los Sal. We just decided that we wanted to uh, lighten up on him and run him twice if we can get to the derby. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't want to overrun him because we know how hard of a campaign it can be for a horse. So we brought him back to Golden Gate after Los Sal and, and just gave him a couple light uh, weeks of just jogging. And then we got right back to work and his workout's been spot on so far, so I hope we brought a live horse here to the fairgrounds. Yeah, and I heard he's a people out there talking and say he's a looker. I mean, nine to five morning line. Rosario, you're changing over to Joel Rosario. Yeah. Uh, owners Peter Redcup, is that how you Red say? Redcup. First time blinkers. My question is. Looking for more speed or a little bit more attention down the straightaway? I guess just more attention down the straightaway. I mean, we really feel like we're a neck and a head away from winning the Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the horse hasn't done much wrong. He really never has needed blinkers, but we thought, you know what, let's work him in him some uh, three, four times and see how he does. And, you know, they're not full cups or anything like that. We just put on what we call rider hiders. They're about an inch, uh, maybe just a little bit less than an inch. Uh, trying to get over the hump is all. Yeah, you guys uh, second in the Breeders' Cup, then second in the Los Alfaturity to a really nice horse out of the Baffert Barn, Thousand Words, who came back and won the Robert B. Lewis a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I think your horse, and a couple of bullets I saw you threw into it. Yeah, you know, we worked him behind some horses, uh, giving him a target like he likes to run out. He can get pretty lazy when he's by himself. So, um, you know, putting the blinkers on and letting him see that horse in front of him and then... Uh, you know, he's outworked a couple pretty decent horses in, in uh, really an easy fashion. Well, I had dinner last night with Michael Stidham, and I think a fellow that had something to do with you getting the horse, Alistair yeah. Roden. Yeah, Alistair purchased the horse on behalf of Peter Redekop yeah. and, and uh, does most of Peter's buying. Yeah, we had a nice dinner last night down on uh, in the uh, French Quarter, and uh, we was talking about you. Your ears had to be ringing a little bit. So, <laughs> Well, we're excited for you. You also have a horse in the El Camino uh, Real uh on Saturday, uh, a journey to freedom. I know that my good friend Mike uh, Mike Pagram has a horse, Azul Coast, in there, a little tiny thing. Yeah. But that your horse, that horse is, was close to uh, winning two in a row in an optional forty. How, how's that horse training? Yeah, he's doing real good. He come back with two sharp breezes. Um, you know, this horse is better than his last races. I really believe that. I thought I had him picked out about ten days before his race and. And really leading into that last allowance race, I thought he might have been a little blah. Uh, We checked his blood, made some adjustments there, and I've lightened up on his training this week to kind of sharpen him up. But I don't know that he wants to go the distance. Um, But you know what? 
these horses are bought for a reason. We're just taking a stab at it. We're hoping we can have some results. Well, I, I read a great story about you and your dad and your dad, you know, how organized he was with his tack and his saddles and how everything was still pristine. Quickly before you, you go, because I know in a couple of minutes here you have the, the big horse and you're going to school him in the paddock. Well, I don't want you to miss that, and I don't want to miss it either. But go ahead and tell us a little bit about how your dad helped you get started up there in Seattle. Well, really, I come from a racing background, and uh, when I started coming around the track, my dad was still getting on his own horses and breezing his own, and I even got to see him ride a couple training races. You know, those are unheard of these days uh, in racing. But um, him and my mom, my mom laid the foundation for me in the uh, barn. She, she ran the barn when I was a kid. Taught me how to groom, leg work, uh, roll bandages, the whole nine yards. And uh, really with my dad, I guess the, the best part about my whole childhood was watching him mark the training chart. He's, a, he's kind of an old cowboy type of guy. He talks to himself a little bit. And I just listened to him, you know, talk about how he was going to lead a horse into a race or a workout. And, you know, those are things you never, ever forget. And uh, probably some of the best times of my life. But I got lucky enough to... Um, Worked for him as his assistant for about eight years, and I got out of the business uh, for five years and did a sheet metal industry. Uh, all the time I worked on the gate crew, that might have been the mess, best job I ever had on the track because you just don't realize what goes into it until you actually physically get in the gate with one of them strong animals and and how much they can do in there to wreck their brake or, or you know hurt themselves or jockeys or handlers or anything else. Graham Forrester offered me a job in 2005, and I took it, and he worked for the best clientele on the backside, and, and uh, I worked for him for two years, and um, I fell into some horses of his when he decided to stay back east, and my dad basically gave me half his business to get me going, and, you know, here we are. Uh, we're, we're delighted to represent uh, Hastings Park for Peter Redekop and Emerald Downs and Golden Gate for myself, and just hoping that my horse can make a, a decent showing for everybody. Well, it's going to make a decent showing. I'm, uh, I hate to tell you on my YouTube show, and I'm going to tape here in a minute, I'm picking them. All right. And uh, tell me, how, and I'll let you go, tell me how much you miss the old Long Acres days. Well, you know, uh, Emerald has, it's starting to get an aura about it. I will say that uh, it's a very fan, fan-friendly fan uh, atmosphere there, but... I've never ever been to a track that looked like Long Acres, just the flowers in the middle and growing up there on the backside, that, that's like, you know, your sandlot. So, and I know you know that, you yeah. supported racing there for a lot of years and obviously there'll never be another one, but you know, what great memories we have. Great, great memories and, and have a great, great day tomorrow. My wife Diane are here pulling for you. All right. Go get the money, go get the points and uh, continued success. I'm very happy for you. Thanks Say so hi much. to your dad. For I me, appreciate please. it. Thanks, All right. Mike. Thanks, Blake. All right. All right. Bye Take bye. Care. We'll be back in a minute. Can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do. If he says the horse can do, can do, can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tyson. My next guest is trainer Michael Stidham, who's got a really busy slate on Saturday. Eight horses, uh, eight races entered in at the fairgrounds, two at Laurel. Mike, you got a busy weekend coming up. How's it going? Uh, we love it. We're at our home track here in New Orleans. Um, got my house right around the corner and love to be here, so always happy to 
have some live horses running on a big weekend. You got you got your house, as I know. We had a good dinner last night, too, didn't we? <laughs> uh, Mr. B's, you can't go wrong there. Beautiful dinner. And, and you uh, had the pork chop, and, and I had the uh, the uh, trout almondine, and ate half of Diane's veal chop. <laughs> no, so you got your house on the other side of the fence, so hop, you can walk to work if you had to, right? Absolutely. We love it here. Yeah. Hillary's got her place. I got mine, and... Uh, Works out great for all of us. Yeah. Well, you got a, a really good slate of, of horses running Saturday. A couple that I have my eye on that I'd love to talk about, starting uh, with the fairgrounds, the grade three, going a mile and eighth. You gave this horse a little bit of blow. This horse is synchrony. Gave the horse a little bit of break. This horse is a seven-year-old by Tappet. You got Jersey Joe Bravo up for Pin Oak Stables. Tell us a little bit. Tell the fans a little bit about synchrony and the little breather you gave the horse. So um, we just decided we were kind of at a crossroads with him at the end of uh, last year, whether or not we, he was going to be retired or whether we would continue on. I talked to uh, Clifford Barry, who's the racing and farm manager for Pin Oak, and we decided that he was you know, still healthy, uh, very healthy and sound, um, doing well at the end of the year, so there was no reason not to bring him back. So we gave him uh, uh, about a six-week break. Uh, in Kentucky um, just to get away from the racetrack routine for a little while, freshen him up, and he's come back as good as ever. His attitude's good. He's he's uh, healthy from a soundness standpoint, and um, we're excited about getting back to business with him. Yeah, and of course, it's a stake race. It's not going to be an easy task, but I, I think the horse fits extremely well in that race. Last time you had Joe Talamo up, uh, Santa Anita, now this time, you, like I said previous, you got Jersey Joe up. You got some nice works in the horse. I, I think this horse fits really, really well, and uh, and could be a you know part of a big day for the Michael Stidham racing stable. What do you think? Well, if ever there's been a, a horse for course, it would be Synchrony. He's won four out of his five starts right here on this turf course, and uh, and Bravo really fits the horse well. He. he Joe's one with him where he's been laying very close to a slow pace, and when the pace is a little bit quick, he can sit back and, and make a big uh, closing run. So Bravo knows him. He's coming in just to you know ride him. He's got, I think he's got one other, mm-hmm. one or two other mounts on the day, but the main reason he's here is for synchrony. That's nice. Let's move over to a really contentious race, the Rachel Alexander uh, Grade Two. You've got Ursula in there, another Tappet horse. Uh, ran second in the Silver Bullet Day last time out. Uh, boy, there's a couple really nice other horses in there. Steve Asmussen, who will be our guest here shortly, has Finite in there. Of course, British Idiom coming off that big win in the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile Phillies for Brad Cox. Tell the fans a little bit about uh, your horse, Ursula, in well, that race. The one thing about Ursula is every time we've raised the bar, she's been able to meet the challenge. Um, last time was first time around two turns, and she handled it well. Um, she was on the lead, and uh, it looked like at the top of the stretch she could go either way, which was cave in or or meet up with the challenge. And she met up with the challenge and, and ran all the way down the lane with uh, Finite. And... Uh, you know, it was a close finish, and uh, we were really proud of her effort. First time going two turns. Now we're going to hook uh, British Idiom 
uh, to make it a little more contentious a race. But, uh, you know, we think we're in there with a big shot, and uh, we'd love to see her uh, step up again and, and meet this challenge. And how's she training, Mike? She's been training really well since that race. Um, she's doing well here uh, in New Orleans, and um, I think she's I think she's up for a big, big effort. Nice. So tell the fans, like I said, you have uh, eight entered or eight races. You're entered here at the fairgrounds, two at Laurel. Uh, tell the fans if there are any other uh, horses out there that you have in Saturday they need to know about. No, uh, no secrets. Don't, no don't, secrets. Don't tell them anything that you whispered in my ear at dinner <laughs> last night. <laughs> well, we've, we've got several horses in with, uh, with some live chances. We've got a first-timer in the seventh race for uh, Godolphin, right. and he's a ghost zapper. And, you know, he's shown some talent. Um, we're, we, we think he'll run well. He may, you know, need his first start, but um, he's got some talent, and, and he's okay. How about the two you have at Laurel, Mike? Um, okay, so we've got Segura Row running in the Barber mm-hmm. 50, and uh, that's a grade two. Uh, we've been in search of a graded win for her, and we think we have our best shot to get that in this race. Uh, pro- she's probably run her best three races of her career in her last three starts, mm-hmm. and uh, we're hoping for another big effort. And I think she's got a big shot to to win the whole thing uh, and, and and get a graded win for herself. Well, that would be really nice. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. you got a lot of owners to take mm-hmm. care of. Uh, have a great weekend starting uh, you had already had a win the other day this week appreciate your time and hopefully we'll get a picture taken on saturday uh, thanks and thanks for having me on uh, and uh, good luck with your with your show mike all right thanks michael appreciate okay. it right. that's trainer michael stidham we'll be back in a minute with more of odds and ends with mike tice Welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tyson. My next guest is uh, the leading purse, the leading purse-winning jockey at the fairgrounds this meet, Florent Giroux. Did I pronounce it right? Yes, sir. Oh, well, good. So, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Big fan of yours. Well, thanks for the invite. Yeah. So, tell the fans, tell my fans, our fans, a little bit about your start in the United States. How you got started? I know we were talking previous. You got hurt a little bit, went home, came back, and it's been all up. Uh, it's been all thumbs up since you got back. Yeah, exactly. My start, uh, you know, start the way you know, uh, the way you want. But you know, I started and started running for a little bit, and you know, broke my back and uh, broke my wrist at the same time, 2007, and from there I came back. You know, 2008 from the injury, six months later. And I uh, went to Chicago and uh, took me a while to get going. But after a few years, you know, and teaming up with uh, my agent, you know, Doug Breda, it's been nothing but great. And uh, start winning a bunch of races. And from there, um, Chicago moved uh, to uh, Kentucky and uh, Louisiana circuit now. Yeah, and you, you have a couple kids, right? A couple children? Yeah. yeah, I meet my wife also in Chicago and we get married there. We have two kids together. Oh, nice. And uh, they also made a transition, you know, from Chicago to Kentucky and... Uh, so far, everything is going well. Yes, and, and 2016 was really kind of your rocket year. It's really what rocket shipped you on the charts. You were able to well, ride Gun Runner uh, to a win in Louisiana Derby in 2016. Then you came back in 2017 on Gun Runner. 
won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Is that the best horse you've ridden to this point, or are there a lot of other ones with that caliber? No, I mean, a uh, horse like this, I, I will get, you know, it's a one-in-a-lifetime, you know, opportunity, and, uh, you know, it's a horse, you know, we came shy of making uh, $16 million, Woo. which is pretty uh, incredible, you know. People are very excited when you have a horse, uh, a millionaire. Yeah. And, I mean, we're almost 16, so you can't imagine, you know, uh, you know what the trail gives us, and, uh, you know, winning the Classic, the Pegasus, and... Uh, losing a derby and give me chills too also in the derby you know turning for home and start making the lead and hearing the crowd you know uh, scream and you know cheering uh, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty special right yeah it's a very good feeling yeah so let's talk a little bit about Saturday's tomorrow's card of course we're taping the show today at the fairgrounds I'm here with Jackie Florent Giroux and we, I want to talk about the eighth race because it's a horse that's come over to the country United States has won three in a row, and that's, uh, to correct me if I'm mispronouncing it, so the Albert Stahl Memorial is a mile and the 16th on the turf, $100,000 pot, Zofiel. Uh, yeah, Zofiel, yeah. Yeah, so Zofiel. tell tell the fans a little bit about that horse. You've won three times with that horse since it's come over to the United States. Yeah, you know, some horses sometimes from Europe, you know, they come, they make the transition here, and uh, they just, you know, uh, skyrocket, just go to another, uh, extend to another level. And she seemed to really appreciate, you know, uh, uh, the tracks here in the, in the U.S. And uh, like you said, she's 3-4-3 three three so far. And uh, we expect uh, a big run for her tomorrow. And I think she's uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, good stakes caliber. She won one mm-hmm. stakes last time. But it's going to be her first time uh, against Holder. She just won the stakes, you know, in late December. But it was, you know, against restricted uh, three-holes, Phillies. So now we're just facing up Holder. But... Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, big problem for her. There's a couple of nice feeling in there, you know, especially the feeling of a bit much, you know, neutral road, good experience feeling and, you know, legit feeling. So, no, it makes, at least we, we know, you know, if like if she wins this race, we know where we stand and mm-hmm. uh, we're excited about her. Yeah, she looks really good in the form. Uh, the ninth race, the Mineshaft, grade three, it's a $200,000 pot. That's going a mile on the 16th. Really liked, I really like this horse for Brad Cox. Ran second last out in the Louisiana Blended Citizen. Tell the fans a little bit about Blended Citizen. I think this horse is set up for a big race. Yeah, Blended Citizen, I think, is going to get better, you know, with the distance, go, go longer. Uh, you really appreciate, you know, uh, the distance. He uh, doesn't have much early speed, you know. He's kind of a little bit, you know, of a closer. Uh, it could be close, you know, if, you know, there's not much space. But it uh, looks like you know, there's plenty of pace in this race here. And uh, just see you know, how, uh, how I handle everything things. But uh, no, I'm expecting a good run from him. And the horse is in good form. And looks like he likes the track too, which is a, a big plus. Yeah, and of course, Silver Dust is in that race. A horse he ran second to in the Louisiana. So that could be a, another one-two finish. But let's turn that around. This time you go on. Let, uh, let Silver Dust be in your dust. How's okay. that? Does that sound good? And let's talk about you. We have two divisions of the Risen Star, 50 points on the line for the winner for the Kentucky Derby. You're riding a horse that, uh, you know, I think this horse is improving for Brad Cox again, and that's Mr. Monomoy. Is that yeah. how you pronounce that? Uh, Mr. Monomoy. Mr. Monomoy, that's yeah. what I said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, what <a> <laughs> exactly what you said. That's exactly what I said. The New York accent, French yeah. accent. It sounds better when you say it. I, I don't know. I didn't name the horse. But 
tell the fans a little bit about this horse and how this horse yeah, is like training said, into the race. Uh, yeah. Like you said, you know, the horse is, uh, is improving. Uh, I feel like and look like on, you know, numbers, look like he gets better, you know, after each race. Uh, we're very doubtful, you know, with him about distance, you know, when we first tied him. But uh, last time he ran great, actually. I was a little bit, you know, uh, trapped on the inside and it took me a while to, to get him in the clear, you know, down the stretch. Uh, just a little bit of, uh, of racing luck. But uh, looked like he drew a nice post, you know, a little bit outside this time. He has great tactical speed, so I'm expecting the horse to be forwardly placed. Not necessarily on the lead, but, you know, you know, very close to the pace and uh, see how he handles the things. But uh, the horse is in good form and he doesn't need to travel. He's coming off, you know, his stall, so it's exciting. Yeah, and he ran third in the Lecomte. I actually gave him out as uh, part of my exotic pick for that race. Uh, really, really thought he was coming into that race extremely well. And it looks like he's coming into the uh, the first division or division one of the Risen Star extremely well. No, I agree with you. Uh, same thing. You know, last time, you know, he, he ran a good race. And like you said, you know, it was a decent prize. But the horse shows up. And uh, I think he can definitely, you know, uh, turn it around, you know, with the, with the previous winner, you know, enforceable, which I've ridden a few times. And... Uh, I think they are very similar horses, you know, uh, you know, like uh, saying, you know, uh, ability. They have a little bit of a style difference, you know. Mono, Mr. Monomore, you know, it goes forward and uh, enforceable is a little bit of a up closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I think tomorrow is going to be should be good. I mean, I'm, I'm excited yeah. about him, and I'm hoping you know he can win. Like you said, 50 points on the line pretty much gets you in the derby if you win the race. I think you're pretty much in if you get that 50 points. Well, listen, I know you want to get home, get a little breather before today's races. I really appreciate you coming on. As I said, I'm a big fan. And that's uh, that's a wrap with my man, Jackie Florent Giroux. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you ride. Well, thanks, you, and thanks for the invite. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends. And man, what a great time I had with Hall of Fame trainer Steve Asmussen, leading money-winning rider at Fairgrounds, Florent Giroux, my good friend Michael Stidham, trainer, and Blaine Wright, Seattle's Blaine Wright, who has the favorite in the second division of the Risen Star. Don't forget, you can tweet us at Oz and Ends Pod. That's O-D-D-S, the letter N, E-N-D-S Pod. And if you want to email us, you can email us at oddsandendspod at gmail.com. Have a great weekend, and don't forget this. I'd rather have a short price than a long face.